Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Claudia's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. I had just moved to a new city and barely even knew where the grocery store was yet. When my car wouldn't start one morning, I didn't know who to ask about local shops. But I remembered a name from back home, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I called, and they pointed me to a great mechanic just down the street. Now, I feel a little more at home. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. All right, we're back. It's another Carolina podcast. Camp is officially over. Summer camp, fall camp, training camp, whatever you want to call it. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Carolina's got the day off, and yesterday was the final day of camp, which means tomorrow, Thursday, depending on when you are listening to this, is the first day of North Carolina prep, which means football season is here for like the fifth time this year. I think it was here during the spring. It was here during SEC media days. It was here during the first day of camp. It's here now that training camp is over, and it'll probably be here again uh, a week from Saturday, which is very exciting. But we got a lot of things to talk about. South Carolina has named a backup quarterback, a number two quarterback, meaning there's a number two and a number three, not two guys at number two. Um, if you guys haven't heard that yet, well, then we're just going to make you hang on and be all dramatic about it. And You're then, probably not listening yeah, that's to true. our podcast if you haven't heard that at this point. But I maybe feel. some people just, maybe the maybe the only Gamecock media they consume is another Carolina podcast, which is honestly a fine way to do it because I don't know what else you okay could possibly need in your life. Um, but we'll update you on that and then uh, some of the other interesting position battles as Carolina heads into North Carolina prep. But I guess we'll get started, like I said, without further ado. The number two quarterback for South Carolina Gamecocks, at least heading into the North Carolina game, is going to be freshman Ryan Helensky. Not shocking news, although I will say when it was finally announced I had heard enough good things about on Joyner throughout the course of training camp that I, I the I wasn't surprised that Helensky won the job, but I was surprised that they went ahead and, and named it. I kind of thought that this was going to be a, a position battle that was going to run all the way up into the North Carolina game and maybe you know throughout the course of the season, but it seemed like the coaching staff just wanted to have the number two guy ready. Was that y'all's take, or were you less surprised than I was? Yeah, I think so. I, I I will say I was a little bit surprised that sort of the determination was was made and sort of uh, given to the kids. But I understand it also, um, especially after hearing Brian McClendon talk and sort of explain what went into it. Um, I think it's better just in terms of communication with your kids on your team, uh, team chemistry, et cetera, to be up front with the guys, you know, about where they stand. And when you heard Brian McClendon speak, after Tuesday night's practice, Tuesday afternoon's practice, rather, he said, look, this is where we're at. Um, Ryan's the number two guy. Decarion's still in there. And he said, this isn't a final thing. I mean, you got to keep competing. doesn't mean, you know, if Ryan Helensky comes out and say he gets an opportunity to play and doesn't do well or say in practice, they're going to they're gonna continually assess practice all the time. Um, and so if, if Decarion starts doing, you know, better or s- someone else, um, 
then I'm sure they'll continue to reassess it. So I thought it made sense from that standpoint and, and wasn't super surprising. I mean, DeCarion's made strides for sure as a passer, uh, but Ryan helensky has been what they expected, what they anticipated as a former highly recruited guy out of California, and he's done some nice things too. And I know we heard uh, the last of the two scrimmages that they had in preseason, Ryan Helensky had a very good day. So from that standpoint, sort of built up some momentum. Well, the physicality was never in question with him, but it was, you know, how quickly could he grasp the offense as a freshman? Because that's a lot to take in when you're just, you know, coming to a college campus for the first time in your life. So I, I think that was something that Dan Werner said Monday morning when they made it official, uh, when they told the kids, you know, Dan Werner just talked about how well he had already grasped the offense, which, uh, you know, seemed to be the difference here because, again, the physical tools, there was never any question. He was, he was the heir apparent to Jake Bentley in terms of skill set, in terms of, you know, everything that you're looking for in a, you know, that type of quarterback. And then when he had the offense under his belt, it all, it all made sense. But from my perspective, and you're, you're right when you say, Chris, that the position battle is never, never over. There's a number two and a number three, but that's why I feel like there's no rush to go ahead and name the number two. Just let those guys think that they're both number two and let them compete and push each other because now you've sort of created that, that almost false hierarchy, right? Well, I, I think it goes back into the logistics of it as well. In practice, especially when you get to a game week, uh, you know, in, in training camp um, or whatever we're calling it, you can you can get just pretty much everybody reps and just split them all up, and you're working on so many different things. On a game week, you really have to narrow your focus to, um, you know, really a, a package of plays, a segment of your playbook that you're working on, you have a you know a limited number of reps, and you know I, I think you want to have that that clear backup guy ready and taking backup reps as opposed to having to split the backup reps with somebody else. So you know I, I think just from a coaching philosophy standpoint that goes into it. You know, and then like Chris said, I, I think it it would have been easy to sort of just I don't want to say leave those guys hanging, but in a way, yes, to sort of especially in today's college football landscape where quarterbacks transfer all the time um you know it had been easy to just be like yeah you know that you guys keep battling it out we're not going to name one but um you know i'll i'll read mcclendon's quote to you uh when you approach not just him but anybody with that news um you have to make sure that they do a good job digesting it and understanding it it has to be clearly communicated and i think we did a good job of that you want to make sure especially with a guy in his position that he wants to take on any other role he might take, whether that's backing up, third-string quarterback, or something else, um, which is when McClendon sort of started to refer to the possibility of, you know, Joyner helping in other positions. But, you know, I, I think just given the uh, complexity of the situation, the fact that Joyner um, has the ability to play other positions but has made it clear that he wants to play quarterback, the fact that the school year starts on Thursday um, – you know, I, I I think you would have to say they 100% did right by the kid here in this case. You told him straight up where things are, which is a big step. B, you told him before the school year starts, which technically if, if Joyner just wanted to leave, he could be in the transfer, transfer portal on Monday and start school at another place and use this as his sit-out year. Um, you know, so I, nobody can say that Brian McClendon, Will Muschamp, Dan Warner – did wrong by the carry on joiner. I think they um both guys competed all off season. This battle has gone through the spring, uh, through the summer, now into fall camp. And they said basically from the beginning they wanted to name 
a number two at this point. So they stuck to that plan. Um, you know, it, it was a close battle, but it, it sounded like from what McClendon was saying, you know, it was close, but it was a pretty clear answer in their eyes for what they were looking for from the number two. Now, you know, I think the more interesting question becomes at that point, okay, yes, Ryan Helensky's your number two. If you needed a, a full-time quarterback to go in for Jake Bentley, Ryan Helensky would be the guy. We've talked a ton. Their their skill sets are actually very similar. But who other than Jake Bentley will be the first of those three guys to actually see the field? You know, th- there's clearly a case to be made that Jake Bentley's your one, Helensky's your two, but Joyner may actually see the football field before Ryan Helensky does. Right, and then that becomes the interesting question is what happens because, as you mentioned, you know, the coaching staff making this announcement on Monday, telling the kids and telling the media, giving Joyner the day off on Monday to process it, which is great because they, you know, acknowledge, hey, this is really hard. This is what this kid's been working for his entire time here at Carolina, so that's tough. He was back in practice on Tuesday. As I mentioned today, Wednesday is off, and then UNC prep starts tomorrow. So for a lot of reasons, as you mentioned, the ability to get him into the transfer portal, and then also, as you pointed out, Chris, you know, the ability to, to have a – or like a set amount of reps that you plan to give each guy. Um, and then also a couple of days for them to figure out what, you know, what is the best fit for him if he does choose to stay on the football team, which he seems to have made that determination. And if you read the message boards, it seems like the carry-on joiner is going to start the season at pretty much every position except for maybe kicker. I mean, people are like, oh, make him a linebacker, make him a defensive back, make him a running back, make him a wide receiver. I don't know how feasible any of those options, How let's see, how, how feasible any of any of those options actually is because any is singular. Um, but that doesn't rule out the possibility of, you know, we'll, we'll call it the wildcat just, you know, for the sake of simplicity, but just other ways of working him into the field. You know, he's not going to be a running back one. He doesn't time, he doesn't have time to learn, you know, the running back position and all the plays and all the responsibilities there. There's a, a lot of competitiveness at running back. There's a lot of, you know, competition already at wide receiver. He doesn't have time to learn that position, but, how are you picking your spots and how are you getting him on the field? Because it seems like the coaching staff is still invested in that. And it, and it makes sense because he's clearly a, a good athlete. You want to have him on the field if you can. It's just a matter of where does he fit in most easily with the offense. Yeah, and I'll um you know, I'll steal a bit from Chris's reporting this morning. Um, you know, by the way, if if you guys want to read more on Joiner, check that out. We've got, I think, some good stuff about the entire situation, but um you know, GameCockCentral.com. Yeah, like like we already knew, he he was at practice on Tuesday. He was out there, and uh, from everything we've heard, he's had a good attitude about it to this point. He took his you know took his day, digested it. Um, that's the word McClendon used. Um, but then has has really been open to anything. I was actually told he was one of the first guys on the field on um, on Tuesday. You know, first guy out there, enthusiastic. Um, you know, and and McClendon was asked, can he help in a way other than quarterback? with the season, you know, now 10 days away, the day we're recording this, and uh, he said there's no doubt. So I, I think you look at the ability, could you put him in some type of slash role, um, you know, similar to what we saw with, with Savelle Newton a number of years ago. Um, he, he would open up some possibilities for you just having him on the field at other spots. Um, or even some, what Debo Samuel did last year or, you know, Farrell Cooper did a couple years before that. Again, not even necessarily like a wildcat or a running back, but when you, if you were to put Jake Bentley and on Joyner next to each other in the backfield, that just opens up a whole world of possibility, and it's different than just having, you know, Tavian Feaster, Rico Dowdle, Mon Denson back there because he's still more of a threat than Mon Denson than, a, than, you know, whoever else they want to put back there with Bentley. So that at least presents some interesting options and forces the defense to adjust. Yeah, I think you... 
you sort of put together some some things that work off of each other, and then you build build upon that. You know, I, I think um, I think he could easily do some things in the slot as well for this team. Um, you know, there's a lot you can do, and just putting him out there opens up some other elements, and and you have the ability to get creative. I, I think this is a this is a upperclassman offense for the most part, so I, I don't think you're worried about sort of overwhelming the rest of the offense by installing too much. I think sometimes coaches are, are a little bit worried about overwhelming, you know, and putting in too much stuff. Um, this is the upperclassman offense. I think they're going to be very multiple, very diverse in what they do. I think a lot of that stuff is already in the in the playbook anyway, and I, I think the ability to, to use a guy like this um, that has a unique skill set, uh, to me, it, it should be exciting for a guy like McClendon. But, it, but you know, his, his point in a lot of what he said was you have to make sure this guy wants to buy into mm-hmm. it. It doesn't work if the, the kid himself is not into it. And But it, it sounds like, uh, to his credit, Joyner has bought in and, um, you know, is ready for those things and, and wants to wants to see this through. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what all they can do because I, I think there's there's a lot you could potentially do with this kid, and it's not going to be every play. It's not going to be every every series, but um, just to, to maybe have an added element to the offense, um, you know, let, let's see what these coaches can come up with because the, the options are all there. We're going to get into a little bit more of the depth chart and some of the position battles in just a second, so I don't want to totally, um, you know, jump ahead to that. But in terms of where on fits in, I mentioned, you know, there's a lot of position battles, a wide receiver and a running back. Those are new positions. Obviously, Dakarion's a really good athlete, especially at the quarterback position. But do you think there is a risk of you know disrupting some of the chemistry in the other position groups? You know, you're looking at for the third wide receiver, you know, a Josh Van and a Drake Davis and an Ortre Smith, and if all of a sudden Carolina is like, well, actually, you know, Dakarion is you know going to be like the third or fourth receiving option. You know, how hard is that to get the other guys to buy in, and does that make it less viable that he's actually going to? you know, move to one of those other position groups full-time? I think it's probably more situational with the carry-on. I mean, it's hard to envision him being, you know, sort of crafted and made into a a number three or number four receiver, you know, in 10 days or even throughout the season. It's just completely different. It's not it's not something he's, he's done. I mean, he's comfortable with the ball in his hands. He's comfortable in the open field, but um, – you know, so I don't really think it'll it'll disrupt anything from that standpoint. You know, being more of a situational deal, probably. You know, I think I think we're we're sort of speculating on when, how he may be used, et cetera. Uh, but but that's what I would think on it. I think you know, for the most part, you're still going to see your base guys. You're still going to see Jake Bentley playing quarterback. You're going to see Brian Edwards and Shy Smith, and then a third receiver and whoever's at tight end, whoever's at running back. You know, I, I think we're going to see those things and. They'll expand the offense some this year in terms of what they do. I mean, Brian McClendon said they only had about half of the offense in last year just because it's hard to completely overhaul an offense in one year. You want to give your guys some things that they're comfortable doing and expand on that. Um, but in the course of doing that, you know, there, there's probably a place for to carry on to come in and do some things on a situational basis. Is he going to be playing, you know, 50 snaps a game at quarterback or a wide receiver position or somewhere in the backfield? I don't think so. You know, not at this point. Yeah, and it's all like everything in life. It's all about balance. It's you know, how do you keep those guys happy, but also how do you how do you keep Dakarion happy, and how do you maximize what he can do to your offense? And it, it's always going to be a matter if they're getting him on the field, they're taking snaps from someone else, and they just have to make sure that it's worth it in terms of again the chemistry of the team, and also you know not necessarily putting 
to carry on out there if he's not going to be any better than the guys that would be ahead of him, which, I, you know, I mean, that's the impossible task for, for the coaching staff. But we've seen them convince guys to buy in. I mean, A.J. Turner's, you know, a defensive back right now. I think even more than he's a running back. I, I don't know if y'all yeah. have any more insight on, in terms of where he's been wrapping in practice, but it seems like he is going to be playing a lot more defensive back than running back this year. The coaching staff got him to buy in, and they deserve credit for that. And I, I think that has, you know, that should have earned their trust in terms of how they deal with similar situations going forward. And it is, I mean, it is different. Quarterback is a unique position from that standpoint because um, if you're asking a quarterback to do something other than quarterback, it's always a little bit of a different dynamic. There's typically less of them on a roster from a scholarship standpoint. Um, They typically are quarterbacks by trade, and that's what they want to do. And so if they're either not playing or you want them to do something a little bit different or you want them to outright change positions, that always creates a little bit of a different dynamic. I mean, and that's that's a good point on A.J. But you also look at A.J. I mean, he, he had some offers to play DB out of high school. He, he did it a little bit last year, and he's always been a special teams guy. So, and, and, and he's a – I mean, he's a team player. You know, he's a guy that the staff loves because of his versatility and his willingness to do that. But – you know, with quarterbacks, it's it's a little bit different than having, you know, a receiver play defensive back or vice versa. I mean, we see saw Darius Rush went from, you know, receiver to defensive back. MJ Webb went from the defensive line to the offensive line. Even some guys in Carolina's recent history that have changed positions and have really gone on to a lot of success. Melvin Ingram from linebacker to defensive line. Uh, Corey Robinson went from O line to D line to O line. Is that right, Wes? I think that was the progression. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, it, you're right, Pearson. I mean, just just getting guys to buy into it, showing them the the reasons for. It. But a little bit of a different dynamic at quarterback. But uh, to carry on, like Wes said, has had a has a great attitude about it. And by the way, side note, I I've heard the Darius Rush move has actually gone pretty smooth as well. Um, you know, he's a guy who could eventually help there at cornerback. And uh, you know, I think also worth pointing out, the carry on is very loved by his teammates. Um. When they see how hard he's worked this offseason, that's why I don't think you really worry, you know, about him disrupting the other position rooms just because um, this is a this is a quarterback room that's in a very good place, I, I think, as far as the chemistry, um, as far as the teammates sort of buying into him. Um, you know, they, they love this kid. He's, he's worked his tail off, and he's improved a lot. I, I think, you know, if a guy hadn't, maybe done everything that was asked of him and then he gets the number three job uh, I don't know if a coaching staff necessarily goes to the lengths that they have to to make sure that everything is so clearly communicated and so smoothly handled you know call, calling his high school head coach and keeping him in the loop about what's going on and why the decision was made you know given to carry on the day off it's very clear that everyone around him believes he you know, he did what was asked of him this offseason. He has improved. He's become a much better passer. Um, in this case, it just wasn't enough yet to, to unseat Ryan Helensky. And, um, you know, I'm sure that hurts. I'm sure that was a, a rough day for the carry-on joiner. But for him to bounce back so quickly, I, I think, says a lot about him. And, um, you know, and like Brian McClendon said, it, you know, this is the number two spot going into the season. Um, it's like any other position. You know, it, it can change very, very quickly. So um, I, I think you, you wanted to have a clear number two going into the season. Ryan Helensky is that. But, it, you know, if, if Joyner outperforms him for the first three weeks of the season in practice, then 
all of a sudden, you know, he he's the number two guy. That's all I got. Cool. Good. Um, so, yeah. And then the other big question I have, other than, you know, where does Joyner end up? Where does he help the team? Where does the coaching staff try to slot him? The next question I have, and this probably won't be answered for, you know, at least a couple weeks, but um, how how long is it before Helensky overtakes Bentley as well? And I, I'm just, you know, like like three hours, five hours. No, I'm not even going to acknowledge happening. this. No, 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 no. It's the, the divide right now. Um, I believe is significant. Can we just That's have fun with word. this though? No, nah. no, no. Nah. Cool. All right. Nope. Doing the podcast here with a couple of fun suckers. Hope you guys are playing along at home and placing bets but on accurate. when Ryan Helensky is going to be but the starter. Well, people. maybe, maybe, maybe. We don't know. You know, Jake Bentley. I'm not going to say he's a practice hero, but he's been very inconsistent over the course of the season. He gets two up and down. Maybe Helensky comes in and he's absolutely unflappable. He's just Mister Consistency once he gets in there. But I think yeah, yeah, go off what you what you uh, not yeah, what yeah, we yeah, observe, yeah. So, but so what it, you hear in practice as well. It won't be the North Carolina game, but maybe by the Missouri game or something. I don't know. I just think this is very good that Helensky has not only come in and, and proven that the physical skills that you saw on tape that the staff saw while they were recruiting him panned out and translated to college, but that also he's been able to pick up the offense very very quickly, which again isn't a huge surprise, but it's just nice when those things are realized because you and I, I mean you and I and other you talk about this all the time, how fickle recruiting is and how even, you know, half of the guys, half of the five-star recruits in the country oftentimes don't even end up panning out in a given year because it's really hard to make that transition. So whenever it does work out well or start to work out well or is seemingly working out well, it's hard not to get excited. But anyways, that's the quarterback position. Ryan Helensky's number two. Zakaria Jordan number three right now. Let's move into a couple other position battles again as camp is finishing up as Carolina moves into North Carolina prep, and we'll start with a guy that's closest to the quarterback that was a position battle we were monitoring closely heading into camp that seems pretty resolved at this point, and that's the center battle. It was Chandler Farrell and Hank Manos going into camp. Chandler Farrell, I think pretty early on, started repping with tight ends, which ended up being sort of a fortuitous move after Keel Pollard broke his neck, is now you know out for the season and has finished his football career. We didn't get a chance to talk about that last week, but obviously wish him all the best. That sounds like the scariest thing ever to break your neck. And then when I saw the initial report, it was like, oh, he's going to be out four to six weeks. I was like, oh, when you break your neck, you're supposed to be paralyzed. So obviously great for, for Keel that he is okay, that even if he wanted to play football, he would have only been out four to six weeks. He's, you know, up and moving. He, you know, there's no long-term damage or anything like that, which is, you know, terrific for him. Um, but that Chandler Farrell move to tight end seems a little bit more fortuitous. You have a little bit more depth there. And then that kind of leaves Hank Manos as the guy at center. Um, was this a matter of, Farrell fitting better at tight end or, you know, man, it's just blowing him away in terms of the position battle. Um, well, I think also worth pointing out before we move on from Keel that um, it might have actually been a blessing in disguise because they were able to find the, the cyst, cyst, right? Um, you know, that possibly would have never been found otherwise. Um, so the initial injury wasn't really that bad, but when they did additional um, tests, that's when they found the cyst on his spine, which led to this. And, you know, I'm sure people have seen it by now, but the video of Muschamp, um, you know, sort of inviting Coach Pollard, as they're calling him now, mm-hmm. over to um, break the team down at the end of practice the other day. A pretty sweet moment. And you can tell, man, Keel is a is a great kid. He, uh, you know, is loved by his teammates as well and I think is, um, you know, going to be a great coach for them one day. So you feel for the kid. I'm sure he'll have some rough moments this year watching, but – uh, seems to have ta- attacked this moment head on. Uh, but, yeah, back to center. I think 
it sounds to me like Hank Manos was going to win that job. Um, yeah. You know, you, you love Chandler Farrell, one of the hardest-working dudes on the team. That's been the sort of deal on him since he arrived. Walk-on, who's earned a scholarship. Um, sort of the underdog guy and that, that has just fought his way in there. But, uh, but yeah, I think Hank was always going to win this spot. And I, I thought it was interesting. I felt like South Carolina was more or is more talented on the offensive line at this point than they have been in recent years, but that the inexperience may mean that we don't quite see that play out at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then McClendon uh, said something very similar on Tuesday when they were talking about the interior of the line. He said, look, we're probably more talented there, but we're way less experienced there. And so I, I, it for one, I was like, okay, so I, you know, I'm not wrong to think that. That's what they're thinking as well. But two, I'm very curious to see that center spot, the right guard spot. I, I think all the other spots you feel really good about. Dylan Wanham is probably a guy that is one of the better players on the team that we're we don't really talk about. I guess because of his position, Sedarius Hutchinson, um, you know probably set up for a very good year at left tackle. You know what you get with Donnell Stanley, assuming that he's a, you know that he's healthy and able to to be full go, but those other two spots, I you know, I think South Carolina will be fine there, but um you know, there there may be some growing pains as this offensive line comes together in my opinion. Well, Chris. it's it's encouraging for me and should be for Carolina fans that the coaching staff seems to be on high as high in terms of just like the raw ability of the offensive line but I have to say I, I felt better about last year's O-line going into the season than I do about this one and again maybe it comes down to to the depth issue but you have Zach Bailey who is a four-year starter at Carolina you have Donnell Stanley again we know what he can do Sedarius Hutcherson really emerging as, as a solid guy Dylan Wanham I guess that was like halfway through the season but even then you know you felt pretty good with Blake Camper at the right tackle and then Dennis Daly who's like earnestly competing for a a starting job with the Carolina Panthers right now. I mean, the, the talent on that unit was awesome. I was a little bit afraid of the drop off, but again, the coaching staff seems to be encouraged and to, to have them to hear them say rather that this unit may be more talented than last year's. I mean, if you're a Carolina fan, you have to be like, like terrified at how like dangerously optimistic that is. Well, I mean, you, you lose to NFL caliber guys, you know, um, off the offensive line at, at a couple critical positions, interior and then left tackle. That's obviously going to create a question. So, I mean, even with Sedarius Hutcherson, who's a guy who, quite frankly, is going to have a chance to go play in the NFL maybe as soon as after this season, um, you know, even moving a guy with his ability over there, well, Muschamp still counted it in the preseason as a concern just because you are moving a guy over there. You're losing your starter. Uh, two-year starter over there and you're moving a guy who you know doesn't have as much experience there now he's rep there in his career but um you know it's different than going into the preseason being the guy there and then being the guy there for the duration of a very tough schedule so it does create a question and then you're breaking in you know new starters at right guard new a new starter at center Um, but they they do have some guys there I mean Eric Douglas has been around a while Javon Gwynn is very strong has a lot of ability same thing with Hank Manos you know those guys have come a long way there's just there's always that inexperience factor you know you're not playing a senior you're playing a a couple redshirt freshmen in there maybe or a guy in Douglas who's been around a while but that doesn't have a ton of game experience but they definitely feel good about the guys there and even some of the others I mean Jordan Rhodes um, you know is another guy that's that's shown some things on the offensive line as well that can that can help on the interior maybe. 
the other position battle, and we've touched on it already, just the other area of, of relative inexperience for Carolina is that right guard spot. Going into camp, it was sort of Javon Gwynn or Eric Douglas. Seems like Eric Douglas has taken control of that position battle, also going to be the backup center, and according to the coaching staff, can play all five positions on the offensive line, which is outstanding. Um, I Again, I was... I don't want to say surprise because if if you read the updates, you hear what the coaches are saying, you know, Douglas had a very good camp, but I just remember, you know, this time last year, the coaching staff being very, very high on uh, Javon Gwynn. And again, this probably has less to do with him and more to do with Douglas and may also go back to the coaching staff's point about just the, the amount of talent on this offensive line in, in sort of like disproportionate relation to um, the experience, because I think they're still very high on Gwen, and I think that's a really good option for your backup, but I think that speaks very, very highly of Eric Douglas, who was able to come in and, and win that outright. I think if the if the first game were tomorrow, he would be starting at right guard. Yeah, and I think uh, it's just a sort of speaks to how hard he's worked and the development he's made in the weight room, I think, specifically uh, adding strength, adding size. Um, you know, and right now, he, he's a starter at right guard, but he's the backup at every single other spot. So, um, that's a very as much as they talk about cross training guys at you know at that position that's pretty unique for a guy to be the backup you know and and them to feel good about him as the backup at at every single spot I think in um, any other position Douglas would come in and then Gwen would roll in at right guard so Gwen's sort of the the sixth guy regardless of of who would go down I I think at this point um, you know uh, they can always slide slide Donnell Stanley to center if they want and, and put Douglas in at left guard and bring Gwen in at right guard, however they want to structure it. Um, you know, th- those those guys are sort of the next in line. And I, I think that's a, another situation there where, um, you know, that, that sort of speaks to their situation at offensive tackle. I think you feel pretty good about the starters, as we said. But um, behind them, um, you know, I think on the literal depth chart, you would see two freshmen listed in Jalen Nichols and Ja'Kai Moore at this point. And, um at some point, those guys are going to be asked to go play, I think. So the, the line's going to be very interesting, um, not just where it is right now, but um, you know how it sort of plays out as the year progresses. The other position battle, on the, well, I guess we got two more on the offensive side of the ball, but I think the one that probably people were most focused on heading into camp is going to be the running back position. So many running backs, a bunch of seniors, A.J. Turner sort of moving to the other side of the ball, helped clear it up a little bit, and then Tavian Feaster officially became a Gamecock. Uh, muddying the water then a little bit. I'll just ask you straight up, if the game were tomorrow, who's getting the first snap of running back? Um, Go ahead. I, I still, I'm still not sure. I know. I, I know um, Feaster took a bunch of first-team reps, I was told, in the scrimmage Saturday, but Rico Daddle did not play in yeah, the scrimmage Saturday. And then to... um, listening to McClendon talk on Tuesday – I lean Rico Daddle, even though he's been banged up a bit. Just, um, you know, if you have a veteran guy in your system that has done everything you asked of him and it's close like that and Feaster's the new guy, um, that just the way he talked, and, and, you know, there's obviously we all know about coach speak and stuff like that, but when a coach has a little more conviction in what he says and goes out of his way to praise a guy, um, that stands out more to me than just you know, what a coach literally has to say. So um, I I lean Rico, but I think uh, both guys probably take similar uh, snaps in that game. And the other thing not to discount is that, um, and I agree with you on those points, you know, Tavian's still 
sort of getting himself, and the staff's mentioned this, getting himself back into game shape. You know, yeah. you, you got to consider he missed. You know, he was working out in Clemson, while he, but he was also finishing up a bunch of classwork and internship. Um, so it wasn't, you know, completely, you know, workouts with the football team and going out there playing seven on seven and stuff like that. So he's still working himself into shape. And, Chris and Clark he'll, he'll, reports that Tavian yeah. Feaster ate Cheetos all summer yeah, and didn't apparently. do any work. Somebody will say that, yeah. but but he uh, he's working himself into game shape a little bit, and he he's it's not he's not in bad shape, but he's still coming along from that standpoint, just getting reacclimated to everything, and you know obviously joined the team a little bit later, um, but I I think he'll get there, and maybe maybe it takes a few games, and Tavian Feaster sort of takes the ball and runs with it, and and does extremely well, and maybe he has a chance to be the number one guy. But I, I would agree with Wes and leaning towards Rico getting the the first snaps out there. Another hard question. Hypothetical. Rico gets the first series of running back. Tavian gets the second series of running back. Next guy up, Mon or Kevin? Next guy is Rico again. Yeah, says, Rico again. No, no, no. But let's say both of those guys are like, no, I'm guy. good. I'm done for today. I would say Mon still. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of the year? Yeah, by the end of the year, Harris could. Hmm. But he's not there yet. My get, my guess would be no. Yeah, I, I think Dennis is just a senior. Yeah, he's a senior, yeah. and okay. he's been and there. he's done what you know what's asked of him. Oh, okay, all right, very good. All right, last uh, position battle on the offense that I wanted to talk about today. That third receiver for Carolina. You have three good options, all guys with experience. Although Drake Davis, I guess, a little bit less than Josh Van and Ortrey, just because he's been dealing with injury for his entire career. But I, I, I feel like. Randrikus Davis might be Will Muschamp's favorite player ever. Just the amount of time that he spends talking about him, I guess proportional to his statistical production, his production on the field. Which one of those guys or somebody else, maybe XL, maybe someone else that we you know we haven't mentioned, but going into camp it was obviously Shai Smith and Brian and who was going to be Carolina's third receiver when they're in 11 personnel, which they're going to spend a lot of time in. Who is it right now? Van, I would say. Don't you think? I know Wes loves Van. It- well, and you know the funny thing is, then I hear Ortrey's had a great camp. Um, it was awesome as a freshman. People forget it's like forgot about Dre just because he missed all of last year. Yeah, I, you know, listening to McLennan again, it's it sounded kind of like Van, but um, but man, the both those guys are going to play a lot. I I wonder we're I got to think we're going to see a lot more four wide than we've seen in the past too, and that that's not going off of you know information just. What we know, tight tight end is tight thin. End yeah, when you, and when you um, lose your projected starting tight end, yeah, yeah, you know, three wide will be the base. But I, I think, especially third and long, I, you know, I, I think when you look at the receivers they have, they have several guys that can profile as as slot guys that that are good. Um, you know, I think Van right now is playing more outside, sort of fighting it out with Ortrey. Um, sounds like Shy more inside at slot. Um, but yeah, I I think. Some some four wide stuff with with Dreek and Shy inside or Van and Shy inside and then Ortre and Brian outside. Um, Got to think you're going to see more of that. So uh, right now, you know, maybe Van, but I, I think all you know those guys are going to play a lot. Um, wow, I, I think Xavier Leggett eventually is going to play a pretty good bit. He's had a great camp. Excel. You know he. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk. He may be the next great South Carolina wide receiver. So. Um, you know, I I think I don't even think that's exaggeration. I, I think the kid's got a chance to be outstanding. So, um, you know, he's making highlight real catches in practice, 
And, I mean, and he go, is Randy Moss's son, so that makes sense. Going up against the, <laughs> I just made that up. Sorry. Going up against like the, you know, top DBs too, playing, you know, against Izzy, against Horn, making plays. Um, yeah, th- this this guy's gonna be really good. So I that that position, you know, I wrote this the other day in a confidential. Um, that position, I I was like, man, nobody's talking about the fact that the receivers are gonna miss Debo way more than everybody's letting on. And now the more I hear about the receivers and what they've done in practice and the development of guys, um, receiver might end up being a strength on this team, I think. Mm. Mm. I'm excited for XL. I remember this was a couple weeks ago, Eric Kimry, who's co-hosting the local show with me on 107.5, got a chance to go to practice because he's an alum. He played on the team, so he gets a little more, just a little bit more insider access than we do. And, and that was the one takeaway. You know, I had I'd heard the name, but nothing about him. And he was like, Dude, XL. And I was like, all right, all right. So I got really hyped for that. Um, all right, on the defensive side of the ball, the corners are set. The linebackers, um, I think, seem mostly set at this point. And, I, you know, it wasn't – I don't even want to file it in the category of necessarily, like, position battle because I think what they've done is they've taken both of the guys that were going to be playing Mike and they're just going to put them both on the field. And Ernest Jones and TJ Brunson move Brunson over to the will. So we won't even file that necessarily as – a uh, position battle, but the one that I think turned the most heads and had most people interested in on the defensive side of the ball was Nickelback. Is Jamie Robinson the starting nickel tomorrow? I I think so. Um, I think Jamie Robinson is starting somewhere. Um, you know, I could see a scenario where, you know, assuming they have R.J. Roderick back and healthy, um, you know, that R.J. starts a nickel and Jamie at safety. But either way, I think those guys are on the field one way or the other. Uh, Jamie's played a lot of nickel. He's also worked in at safety. It's just a matter of deciding which combination um, is best for each of those guys. You know, is RJ better at nickel or safety? Is Jamie better at nickel or safety? Um, You know, I I think you look at that position, um, I sort of lump them together. JT Ebay's still dealing with some injuries. Right now, I feel like, you know, assuming – uh, let's assume RJ is back because it sounded like he's more, you know, further along as far as his progress there. I think you're starting five. Clearly, JC Horn, Izzy McQuamu at corner, um, and then safety, safety, nickel in some form or fashion, Jamias Williams, RJ Roderick, and uh, Jamie Robinson. I, I think that's probably, you know, for the most part, we're getting to the point where you can probably predict the first 11 that are out there for South Carolina, assuming North Carolina is not in. You know, the I formation or something, and, and goes to goal line. Yeah, it goes to <laughs> regular. You know, you have to get a regular personnel. But yeah, I think uh, maybe a couple spots on the D line that are still being fought for. But uh, for the most part, I, I think you can. Yeah, depending on personnel. Yeah, I think you can. It sounds like they're very high on what Aaron Sterling has done. I think just based on his progress alone, he probably gets to start at defensive end. Um, Kier Thomas, because of injuries, um, you know, sounds like maybe. Kobe Smith gets to start over him at the other defensive tackle spot. Um, I, I think, you know, we're, we're 10 days away. I, I think that's your starting lineup right there. Um, DJ Wanham at Buck, Javon Kinlaw, um, Kobe Smith at defensive tackle, Aaron Sterling maybe edges out Enigbari at defensive end, Ernest Jones, TJ Brunson at linebacker, and then the five I mentioned in the secondary. So no Jamel Cook and none of the other newcomers breaking into the starting five in the in the defensive backfield just yet? No, definitely not. I um, definitely I, not to Jamel, or definitely not to the freshman. To, to any of it, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't, I don't know which. I mean, which guy? Which of those guys are Johnny are Dixon. coming off the field? The 
for any yeah. of those guys. You true. Know? True. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. The one that I had, the starting lineup that I had in my mind was eBay at free, RJ at strong, and Jamie at nickel. But I guess, like you said, flipping RJ and Jamie may not make that much of a difference, um, depending on which one of those guys better. Uh, and run defense, and then mm. depending on eBay's timetable, which I don't know, none of us will ever get a clear picture of what that looks like until you know he's back. And, and I think, I think RJ at safety makes a little bit more sense just because he's been around a little bit longer. Safety is one of the toughest positions to play. Not that Jamie Robinson cannot do it because he's been doing well. He's a sharp kid. Um, you know, he was a summer enrollee, so it's not like he went through spring ball and was able to do it, but. Safety, I mean, it's it's a position where they it's, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult, and so yeah, you mess probably, up back there, you're dealing with the sixty yard touchdown. Right, the other bands playing like Muschamp says yeah. all the time. So, I mean, communication wise, you know, if eBay's healthy, I think it's him and Roderick. But RJ's been around a little bit longer, so if, as long as you feel good about Jamie at nickel, you probably play him there, and you feel, you know, I, I feel good about his coverage ability there too, and then he can handle the edge as far as physically matching up with guys, but. I mean, we saw Jamias Williams as a freshman. He played nickel as mm-hmm. well. He played a little bit of safety too. Um, they're similar skill set guys. Jamie's bigger, obviously, probably has a, a higher upside because of that. Um, but but that's sort of why I'd slot Jamie nickel RJ at safety. Jamie's a dude. He is a definite. And dude. we, you know, we talked yeah. we <laughs> talked all off season when we talk about this about hey, if, if this guy could just take the nickel spot, everything else would fall into place. So, yeah, yeah. The, the injuries have been unfortunate for South Carolina on that side of the ball. They, they've had guys banged up in the secondary already. But some of the things they needed to happen um, have happened. Well, can you imagine how differently we would all feel talking about the secondary if eBay didn't have a season-ending season injury that allowed him to get another year of eligibility and if R.J. Roderick and Izzy were starting for the first time as opposed to having been thrust into action you know, it wasn't the best case scenario for the team last year, but how yeah. much differently would we feel if it was like, okay, well, this is the first time we're going to see Israel. This is the first time we're going to see RJ and, you know, JT eBay is gone. So now you're maybe relying on uh, Jemias Williams at that free safety. Like it, it was, even at the time, it was, it was something you could, you could look at and say, well, this is not a good situation, but how do you spend this positively? You're getting reps and you're building for next year. And, and I know people are looking at the schedule this year and saying next year's the year anyways, but I think, you know, so there's some of that going on last year as well, where it's like, well, yeah. Look what you could have next year and with these freshmen coming along like they are. I'm surprised I haven't heard a little bit more about Cam Smith too cuz I thought he was one that was, you know, physically going to be ready for it, but I guess it's it's hard when you have, you know, we mentioned the five starters, that's not including Jamel Cook who's now been around the program for longer than the rest of those guys and you got some other bodies back there. Um but the the talent back there, there there's no shortage of it. It's just a matter of bringing the rest of the guys along in terms of grasping all the defensive concepts. I think. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's a, a statement on that those guys aren't doing well. The freshmen, with, you know, Cam Smith and Johnny Dixon, um, but you know, it's just a situation where they, I mean, they're not going to overtake one of those other yeah, man, other it's guys right It's now. basically four guys vying for one position because between Jamias, RJ, and JT, like two of those three guys should be starting at safety, and if RJ's not starting at nickel, it's not because he's necessarily been beat out by one of those guys for the strong safety. It's because he's a better option at nickel. Yeah, and so you have two of those three guys at two of those three positions and then four guys vying for one. And Shiloh, you know, has repped at, Shiloh Sanders has repped at corner and nickel and safety. He can do several of those things. But, you know, those guys, I mean, all four freshmen could see the field. Jamie's going to play the most, I think. But they could all, all four see the field. But, you know, when you're just looking at, 
the guys they got on the roster. I mean, they want to find the best five, and the best five, I think, is, is the guys that we've laid out here. As long as JT's healthy and ready to go, whenever he is, he'll, I think he'll be in there. Um, you know, but, you, I mean, you made a good point on the, the experience last year. I mean, it wasn't ideal all the time. <laughs> to, you know, JC was one of their better guys, you know, especially by the end of the year. Freshman All-American, heck yeah. yeah. So, but it wasn't ideal to play R.J. Roderick last year as much as he played. It wasn't ideal to play. I mean, Jalen Dickerson's going to miss the season, but he was inexperienced, you know, at the time when they had to play him a ton. They were they were missing, I think, six safeties that they were counting on in preseason at one point. It wasn't ideal to play Enigbare at 265 as a defensive tackle or, or to play Rick Sandage even as highly touted as he was inside. Um, it wasn't ideal to play him as much, but they played and because they had to. And now they do have it, it sort of stunk for them last year, but now they have that benefit of those guys having played going into this season, and, and everybody will be better for it, I think. I'm excited. Next time we talk, it'll be game week. We're going to have freaking North Carolina to talk about. Can't wait for that. Um, if you guys like the podcast, if you want us to keep doing it, keep it rolling through football season, like, give us a rating, review, share it with your friends, subscribe, all that good stuff. Also, uh, if you want to keep up, with all of the juicy Gamecock insider access throughout the course of the season, throughout the remainder of August. You can use the exclusive code GCPOD to get one month of subscriber access to Gamecock Central for free. That's if you're not already a subscriber, you should go ahead and do that because it's just a great idea and it's free. I was going to say it's a great investment, but the only thing you're investing is like three seconds of your time to just GCPOD, boom. Um, Also sign up for the newsletter. That thing is the best. It's in your inbox every morning when you wake up which is great. It's everything you need to know to prepare you for the day to go talk about football with everyone at work because we're just over a week away, and so that's what people are doing right now. Thanks for listening. For Wes, for Chris, I'm Pearson. We'll talk to you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.